welcome to Damn It, Jim, the podcast. My name is Dana Smith, and as always, I'm joined by Dan Calzaretta. Good evening, Dan. Hey, Dana. How are you this evening? Looking forward to our episode, Mud's Women. Yeah, I, I love, love, love this character. Uh, I was reading that they had plans. They I, He was only in one other episode, but they had plans to do a third one. It's disappointing they never got to do that. Yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have seen more of this guy. Should we just dive in, get on with the story? Yeah, let's jump in. We start off, they're pursuing a J-class vessel, a cargo ship. Pursue it into an asteroid field. Did you notice the asteroid field looked like popcorn? kernels. I wonder if that's what they use. And they yeah. were flying like right at the camera. Kind of gray popcorn kernels. Yeah. Could be. It's funny because about three or four times they say its engines can't continue at this pace. He's going to burn up and then he gets hit by an asteroid. They put their deflector shields around the ship to try to protect it. But in doing so, they weaken their own ship and they uh, burn out lithium crystals. Yeah. Now, if we can talk about the deflectors for just a second, is this the first time we hear about the deflectors? I don't recall hearing hearing about them in the earlier episodes, although they may have been there. I just don't recall it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, that this is the first time that they've used the deflectors. They try to beam the occupants of the ship aboard the Enterprise, just as they do, a asteroid hits the ship and completely destroys it. But in doing so, the, again, they have weakened their own ship. We go to the transporter bay. There's a uh, jolly looking pirate type man coming off the transporter yeah. and he introduces himself with an Irish brogue as Captain Leo Walsh. Looks just where is it I find myself. You're aboard the USS Enterprise. I could see uh, Jack Sparrow coming onto that transporter pad. Oh, it was that... almost like he was he was an early <laughs> Jack Sparrow, don't you think? A very well-fed Jack Sparrow. Yeah, <laughs> <it> was, uh... <laughs> he was rotund. Then they call down to the transporter room and say there was uh, more people. Did you get everybody off? And Scotty he says, I've, they're coming through now. And it's Spock, Scotty, and McCoy at the controls of the transporter. And uh, next thing we see is three beautiful women that show up on the transporter pads. In their um, finest evening dresses as well. Like they had just I, come from a party. Scotty and McCoy kind of, they're, they're like stunned. And of course, Spock just kind of raises an eyebrow and looks at the two men on each side of him and kind of shrugs. Kirk says through the intercom to send him to his quarters. Orders. The captain of that vessel can walk. I want him in my cabin immediately. Correction. I want them there where they can walk or not. Kirk out. Spock starts them off that way and Scotty says something like, Oof, or wow, <laughs> or something like that. And yeah, uh, yeah. McCoy says, uh, amen. <laughs> Yeah, their tongues were all over the transporter controls. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the way that they, once again, we got this very sexist start to this episode of Star Trek, and these guys are just drooling on themselves. The the women were quite beautiful. I remember the show from when I was, you know, a kid and thinking, holy cow. Uh, like every middle schooler everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is that they show them walking down the hall, going towards the captain's quarters, and the camera is focused on their backsides. Yeah. I mean, let's be blunt. It was focused right on their butts. <laughs> and the music when they were walking was like this 1950s stripper music. We go back to the bridge and we see that they're having issues because three of the lithium crystals are broken and another one has a hairline fracture that's barely getting them by. And 
this was all caused by trying to put up the deflector shield around Captain Walsh's ship. Then we go back to Kirk's quarters. Kirk is in his room. He has a shirt on. Does have a shirt on. (laughs) Spock brings in uh, Walsh and the three women. His tongue also hits the floor and then he retracts it relatively quickly. Yeah. And as the women go out, Spock kind of looks back and gives Kirk kind of a a look like, you dog. (laughs) It was kind of funny. I wasn't expecting that kind of look from Spock. But he just gives this look like, you, what is wrong with you people? Can't you control yourselves? Yeah. And so it's uh, important to point out that when uh, Walsh refers to the women, he refers to them as his cargo. Is this your crew, Captain? Well, no, Captain. This is my cargo. Women as cargo. What do you make of that? Well, (laughs) I I think it's more important to know what the writers of the show uh, and people involved in the show thought about it. Uh, Some of the people involved in the show, in fact, one of the producers talked about how this episode had the potential of being one of the pilots. And the NBC executives looked at it and they said, well, first off, we've got these women who were, quote, space hookers. (laughs) Those were his words, not mine. And that then they had a guy, a captain of that ship who is a, quote, pimp. They decided it wouldn't go over well as the pilot, but they still kept it in the rotation. That was the thinking at the time of the people involved in the creation of the show. Kirk says he is going to convene an inquiry into what happened and that there will be hell to pay, so to speak. Back on the bridge, helmsman Johnny Farrell is staggering onto the bridge and Sulu comes up behind him and says, Back to reality. You can feel their eyes when they look at you. Like something grabbing hold of you. You notice that? How I noticed it. Spock is in the command chair and Scotty says, we've got trouble here. And Spock says he has noticed. Scotty tells him that two of the lithium crystals are completely gone and the third one has a hairline fracture. Spock suggests they rig a bypass, but Scotty says that they they destroyed the whole converter assembly. Of course that happened. Yeah. (laughs) And once again, Spock trying to tell someone else what their job should be. Scotty is on top of this. Now, come on. We know he would be. And and by the way, they, they refer to these as lithium crystals not dilithium crystals. There was two episodes, uh, this I think where no man has gone before, where they referred to them as lithium crystals. But after this episode, they always referred to them as dilithium crystals. In one scene, they're holding one of the crystals. Yeah, it was like a softball size. It was funny because I think at that point, Kirk says, it's hard to believe that that's what powers the ship. After that, there's the hearing. Can we go back to the bridge for a second? So there are two things in this episode I noticed about the bridge. One, Uhura was in this episode again, but she was wearing a gold top, not a red top. And so was Sulu and Farrell. I'm just assuming that in these early episodes, they were still trying to figure out the whole costuming thing. And since episodes were shot in a different order than they were broadcast, they may not have come upon what standard uniforms were. Yeah, I think you're right. The other thing I noticed about the bridge, you see the stain on the floor. I was thinking, I'm guessing maybe one of the actors or crew spilled a cup of coffee and they never really cleaned it up. But it is a very obvious stain on the carpet of the starship. No respectable captain would allow that. Do you think? <laughs> I, I think you're right. Maybe he was just waiting for the cleaning crew to come up and uh, and take care of it. Maybe that's where Spock was, was getting the cleaning crew. Maybe so. <laughs> that was it. I just, I went and looked at it a couple times and it just drew my attention completely out of the scene because I'm like, that carpet's dirty. Come on now. This is the USS <laughs> Enterprise, people. It's the uh, the gem and the crown of the uh, of Star 
Starfleet. Yeah. Isn't that how they refer to it? Well, I think they should, but not with a dirty carpet. <laughs> I mean, look, we've got spot remover stuff now, and you would think they would have had stain-free carpeting in the 23rd century. <laughs> yeah, or spill-proof cups. I don't know that if they were yeah, drinking that... coffee on the Enterprise and they hit a solar anomaly oh. or something. You know, <laughs> Didn't they have travel mugs? That is a good point. Yeah. What about yeah. what about the travel mugs? Who knew we get so much out of the carpet? <laughs> I'm going to start looking at all the flooring now and just look to yeah. see if there's other stains. Well, we could add that to our list, including Dud Crewman and Kirk's ripped shirts. Uh, yeah, which, by the way, we have a count for this week, and we'll get to that later in the episode. So back to the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we see uh, Walsh with his women in this conference room. They ask what they're supposed to do. And he says, just answer their questions, but don't submit for a physical. And one of the women calls him Harry, showing he's hiding something. And again, this is the first time we see Harry Mudd. There were two security officers in the conference room kind of keeping an eye on him. And he asked if they would step outside so we could have a private conversation. And they told him they couldn't do it. One of the few times it seems that the security team actually does what they're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the bridge, Kirk hears the news about the lithium crystals and there's no bypass because he makes the same suggestion. Scotty says, That jackass Walsh not only wrecked his own vessel, but in saving his skin. It makes you feel any better, engineer. That's one jackass we're going to see skin. Well, I was yeah, really I <laughs> surprised with how angry Scotty was. Like, he was actually very perturbed. Well, Scotty takes great pride in the, you know, in the Enterprise. And well, apparently not the trip. carpet on the uh, bridge. <laughs> they determined that they can go to uh, Rigel 12. It's a mining station, and Spock makes the comment that they have high-grade ore. So they set the Enterprise on course for Rigel 12, and they comment that it's two days away. Kirk says, you know, we... I hope we make it. And Scotty says, we'll make it. But don't use extra power at this point to clean the carpet because <laughs> yeah. the lithium crystal is not going to be able to handle it. Carpet washers really uh, use up a lot of the power. They suck the power. So now comes a, a very interesting part. We we go to the hearing. There's a computer right kind of in the middle of the table. Mud gives his name as Leo Francis Walsh. Incorrect. State your correct name for the record. Harcourt Fenton Mud. So the computer, we learn right away, is able to tell when a person's lying. Was it a lie detector or was it a voice recognition device that had everyone's voice in the entire freaking <laughs> Federation on file? So my guess it was probably more like a lie detector. And now we've been truly introduced to Harry Mudd. And when asked if there's any offenses on his record, he says, well, of course not. But the computer once again says incorrect. <laughs> and did you pause and, it at that moment so you could read it all? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I did there's too. there's quite the list. So first off, I love when they do this in Star Trek. And I love that we now have the technology to be able to just pause it and really look at it. First, it's got a goofy looking picture of him. And then his <laughs> signature that looks like it might have been done by one of the producer's eight-year-old children. <laughs> it was horrible. And this is what it shows on the screen. Uh, his record is smuggling, sentence suspended, transport of stolen goods. His sentence was psychiatric treatment. But then it said effectiveness disputed, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> by the way, if you're taking down trivia notes... The future police record code for Harcourt Fettenmund was X as in X-ray 731248. And then it says, any information pertaining to Mud, please notify authorities. So he's got the record, doesn't he? He's got a rap sheet. All the while, he's kind of sitting there with a amused grin on his face. The women are looking a little bit panicked. Kirk reads off the offenses, as you've mentioned them. And the females start, all of a sudden, start looking around the room at the men in the room. One looks at McCoy. 
One looks at Scotty, and you could see right away they are immediately affected. Kirk for a change, actually stays focused on Mud. Kirk asks what was his destination, and Mud says he is supplying wives for settlers on another planet. Kirk asks the computer if he noticed any other anomalies in the room. The computer says uh, not with the women, but the males in the room are experiencing high blood pressure, high perspiration, rapid heartbeat. You know, and you look around the room and all the men are kind of like looking pretty sheepish. And <laughs> Kirk looks around and then asks the computer computer that those last comments be stricken from the record. So the, there's something about these women that they have some kind of really strong effect on men. In a couple of the log entries, Kirk makes reference to this magnetic attraction that these women have mm-hmm. and the influence on the men of the ship. One of the women, Eve, makes the comment that's the same story. There's no men. They just want to get to the miners so they can have a normal life. She tries to argue, but then the power fluctuates again. The last lithium crystal is now gone. Mud tells women everything is going to work out. He'll get them to the lithium miners and they'll be happy and he will be commander of the Starship Enterprise. Captain James Kirk, the next orders you're taking will be given by Harcourt Fenton Mud. I don't know how he makes that leap. Yeah, I, I don't know how he made that leap either, but he figured he's hatching a plan, apparently, that he wants to take over the ship. Yeah, and something by uh, getting to these miners that they were going to be able to make a lot of money off of this and that he would be somehow put him in control of the Enterprise. Back on the bridge, the ship is on auxiliary impulse engines as it heads towards Rigel 12. The brunette is visiting Dr. McCoy. She point out there's two blondes and one brunette uh, of the of the cargo from Mud's ship. The brunette is taking a liking to McCoy. She steps in front of the medical panel. All of a sudden, kind of starts going a little bit haywire and gives weird readings. And McCoy is uh, watching the panel and she steps away from it and it returns to normal. And when she comes up by him, he's definitely flustered. But he's also flustered a little bit by what the readings on the on the uh, medical panel and she asks if he's going to give her a, a physical. Yeah, she does. <laughs> he says, no, I wouldn't trust my... And then he pauses and then he says, judgment. We cut to Kirk under in his quarters and he finds uh, Eve laying down on his bed. Yeah, now, okay. Here we go again, Dana. The last couple episodes, people are just walking into other people's quarters. It's like small town America. You didn't have to lock your doors at night. <laughs> and not only is she in there, she could be at a table waiting for him to come in. No, where is she? She's, she's laying on his bed. On his bed? Come yeah. on. Eve gets up and she's obviously trying to seduce him. She's being very, you know, speaking very softly, very sexy. Says, uh, I don't have to go to the minors. They're about to kiss. She pulls away and says, I can't do this. She says, it doesn't matter what Harry says. And she leaves Kirk's cabin. I think this is only the first time this has ever happened to Captain Kirk, that he was been so close to kissing a woman and she ran away. Well, maybe it was the garlic from the replicator earlier when he had dinner. (laughs) So Evie gets back to uh, Mud's quarters. Mud has been telling the other two women how much they're going to be worth to the miners. She comes in and she's very distraught and unhappy. Says she doesn't feel very good about all this. And she says, maybe it's losing its effect. Now, Dana, before we go into what that means, why weren't they locked up? Now there's no guards guarding them. Yeah, they're just walking around. Just think they're supposed to be confined to quarters. On the bridge, Kirk gives an order to Farrell, and Farrell is pretty slow to respond and says, this is the last time I'll give an order twice. Kirk then goes to McCoy, asks if he has given Eve a physical, and McCoy says she declined. Kirk seems 
kind of affected by this. Uh, he shakes his head and says, is it that we're tired and they're beautiful? McCoy responds with, are they actually more lovely than any other woman you've known? And, and in fact, and, he says, are they more lovely pound for pound <laughs> and measurement for measurement? My God, it's like, you know, they're <laughs> buying fish at the fish market. <laughs> The whole the whole pound for pound thing again. Even though the show's in the future, it was made in the '60s, and they're they're I think reflecting an attitude toward women that was prevalent. One of the women acquired a communicator from Farrell, and she hands it to Mud when she's back in the room. Mud kind of gives his devilish smile and thanks her and asks what the uh, frequency is. She gives him the frequency. Now how would she? And know? then she got it from Farrell. Oh, Farrell, Farrell was just gave her everything. Just spilling the beans. <laughs> What's the destruct code of the ship? Whatever. You know, a... <laughs> Suddenly, these beautiful women are looking kind of rough. Their glamour is gone. They look tired. They look old. A couple of them have like some pretty drastic scars on their faces. Mm-hmm. Mud is walking around searching the room. Eve says, if you're looking for them, it's just a cheat. Mud says, you know, I had to hide them. And then he digs his hand into a box and pulls them out and says, here. And he gives them to the girls. And the brunette and the other blonde take the pills and take them right away. He goes over to Eve and gives her one and she just kind of stares at it. The women almost immediately start feeling better and slowly start looking better. Puts makeup on their faces and does their <laughs> hair. Before, their hair was kind of ratty looking. Yeah, now when they and did the close-up on the pill that was in Eve's hand, I believe, it had this cool light inside of it that was changing colors. I, I just thought that was a yeah. cool effect. But that pill was freaking enormous. I mean, it was <laughs> a horse pill or a gorn pill or I don't I don't know what the equivalent would be in the future but that sucker was big. Well, I think it was a chewable. I think it was like a gummy. Maybe that's what it is. It was a it was from the dispensary, you know. And in the future we know what that means. They were edibles. That's why they were in such good moods after they had taken them. <laughs> that's that's it, yeah. Spock and Kirk are in the conference room discussing the lithium crystal and this is where Spock holds up the crystal. And as they're talking, all of a sudden two of the miners uh, come aboard the ship and they come into the conference room and one of the miners says they're willing to give the Enterprise the lithium crystals they need, but only for a swap. What did you have in mind? Mud's women. If we like them, we'd like to have a look at them first, of course. Right. Oh, and Harry Mud. Either way, I've agreed to have him released. Charges dropped. No deal. The women come in the room and immediately start fawning over the men, doing their best to be sold. And Mud is with them and he goes over to Kirk and says, sooner or later, you'll have to take the deal. So they go down to the planet, Mud, Kirk, and Spock being down. The outside of the planet is windy and rough looking. There's structures there that look kind of like RV units. Why couldn't they beam to the inside of these buildings? Why do they have to beam to the outside? I mean, they're, they beam in, into these horrible weather conditions. The wind is blowing. There's dust. Why couldn't they beam to the inside. I think the writers wanted to give us a view of the outside world. So you describe the outside of those structures as looking like RVs. What about the like inside? An airliner. So you go inside and it looks like a cave. The, I mean, the walls are look like rocks. There's like wooden tables and wooden chairs. It's the 23rd century. Three guys are mining a whole planet for lithium. Don't you think they could have come up with some better quarters? You know what I mean? It's like, would, <laughs> if you're going to mine something, just like, hey, let's mine ourselves 
themselves a, a condo. Right, because know? they said that they were very, very rich men and the outside looked really nice. But you're right, the inside looked, it didn't match. It just didn't match. Yeah, it made no sense to me. But, I, you know, again, I just kept going. See where we're going to get with these, uh, with the pimp and his hookers. So. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly, William Shatner is starting a show later in his career, TJ Hooker. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, we better get back to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the inside, we see the third man, the third miner. This guy, Childress, is kind of the head of the miners. And he's talking to Mud, and he's trying to get uh, Eve to dance with him, and she won't. She starts coughing, says she doesn't want to dance. One man tries to cut in on the other when uh, Childress cuts in on him, and a fight breaks out. Eve runs out and says, why don't you have a raffle, and the loser gets me. She runs out into the horrid outside, windy, terrible weather. Uh, Kirk follows her out and uh, tells Childress on his way out, you better have the crystals ready when he, when I come back. Childress steps out and goes to look for her as well. Then we get back onto the ship. Kirk, he's back on the ship and that they're scanning the surface. Scotty says, Captain, without the lithium crystals, you know, we're not going to be able to maintain orbit. And Kirk says, just keep us going. Scotty again says, we'll maintain orbit. Um, so they're trying uh, to do a scan to find Eve. To find Eve, Eve. yep. And don't he's they still say something about the scan is also sucking up some of the energy? Scotty said, you know, these scans are actually eating up the power resources that we have. Back on the planet, we see Childress is carrying Eve back to the base. He brings her in, sets her down on a bed. Again, it's not like a comfortable looking bed. It looks pretty like 1880s. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that they probably just got some of the furniture from the Western set that was next door. And they didn't get this from Bonanza, or they got it from some other low-rent uh, TV show because uh, <laughs> it was was not good stuff. Very bad. So, yeah. Back on the ship, they only have 43 minutes left of power, and the magnetic storm is still affecting their readings. And then Spock says, I see a heat signature. Could be coming from a thermal device such as a stove. Kirk says to Mud that they're going to beam back down to the planet. We go back down to the gracious living quarters. Childress is asleep. He gets up and Eve is standing at the stove cooking. For some reason, he's like a little bit bent out of shape and he says he does his own cooking. Childress continues to be a minor jerk. Uh, he walks over and kind of leans on the stove and burns himself. And then she hands him a plate and he goes and sits down and he says, you know, well, I'm used to my own cooking. And he starts eating and he says, uh, it's good. I've had better. <laughs> so, I mean, it's what a jerk. Yeah, I mean, I, real uh, jerk, yeah. After Childress eats some of the food, he steps out for a moment and then he comes back when he looks at Eve, she looks a little bit older and a little bit rougher. The uh, pill had worn off. Kirk and Mud come in. Childress says, you know, he's been cheated. That uh, This is not the woman that he had. There's some kind of joke that they're playing on him. Mud tells him what he's found is the Venus drug. And Childress says, you know, I thought this was a, a myth. Mud says, this is a real thing. Kirk holds out the pill and Eve takes it. She turns around and then when she turns back around, she's beautiful again. And I think this is kind of the point of the show. She says to Childress, is this the kind of woman that you want? Not someone to help, to cook, sew, cry, and need. This kind, selfish, vain, useless. Is this what you really want? And then she comes and sits on his lap. <laughs> well, first off, those are the only two categories of women. Either someone who's beautiful and vain and useless, or someone who's ugly and can sew and cook. My God, I know it was the 60s, but come on. <laughs> 
if my wife had been watching this with me, she probably would have just thrown up her hands at the time and said, you know, I can't believe you watched this crap. But the thing that surprised me about these first six episodes the most is really how sexist they are. I always knew they were. I just didn't know how sexist they were. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's how, a great how point. much. Everybody always talked about, you know, the women's legs and how short the mini dresses were, um, how tight fitting they were and stuff like that. But there was more. There was so much more to the show that was sexist. I was thinking about like Gilligan's Island, you know, you had Ginger and, uh, you know, wore tight fitting dresses, was a movie star, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, so a definite, you know, character there, Petticoat Junction, Hooterville, yeah, the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't, never even connected that till just now. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kirk tells Eve that she has not taken the Venus drug, that he had given her colored gelatin. So even in the 23rd century, we have jello. Yeah, now what is it made out of it? You know, jello we know is made out of like the hooves of horses. What do you think it's made out of in the 23rd century? Gorn feet or something. I think I that's know, probably the that. best answer Gorn feet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They call it Gornello. Kirk says there's only one kind of woman. Mud, surprisingly, says, and one kind of man. And Kirk continues on, you either believe in yourself or you don't. I wonder if the other women were also given a placebo. We get the idea, you know, by the end of the show that the uh, other miners were going to be happy one way or the other. Well, in fact, uh, Kirk says something like they've already been married over subspace radio. How does that work? So they get a hold of somebody who can perform this ceremony. I know. Now you can go online and pay, I don't know, $15 and become a certified minister in various, you know, internet religions. And you're allowed to legally marry people. They could have called me. I could have. So you, know, you actually are one of these people. Yeah. I, I paid my $15. I, I've married two couples. Well, let, let's get into this a little bit. I, I, I'm kind of curious <laughs> about this. What? I'm not sure I knew this about you. Yeah. I'm, I'm always offering my services to uh, married people. I try to make it very personal. Uh, my batting average is 50%. One couple got divorced and the other couple is still happily married. Well, I think that's in line with the national average. But do you have like a, a web page that has your, I don't know, your prices for different things that you do? Do you do any like dressing up as Elvis or any of that stuff? That's I think I even got the sticker that says I'm clergy and I can park wherever I want. So. Get out of here. Do you really? Can you park anywhere with that? Like, I mean, anywhere. I, I don't know. I've, try I it and report to us next time. Like parking spots that say, you know, reserved for police or whatever and, and see yeah. what happens. Park in your boss's spot. See what happens. I still need to eat. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got us off on a complete tangent there. I found that fascinating though. So they get married via subspace radio somehow. The captain of a ship could have done it. Yeah, right? Mud could have done it. Well, I was thinking Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't trust anything Mud tried to put together. Kirk gets Childress to agree to give them the crystals. Kirk calls Spock. They're getting the crystals and they'll be ready to beam up in a moment. Spock asks how many to beam up. Kirk looks back at Childress and Eve. Childress says she'll stay. Then she looks at Kirk. You have your ship and it could never be. So I, I think she wanted to stay with Kirk. Yeah. And in fact, earlier in the episode, Mud tells her, look, this is impossible. Trying to hook up with the captain is not going to work because the captain is already married and he's married to his ship. Maybe that was the stain on the floor in the uh, on the bridge. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to cut that out. It'll look like that's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, no. Clear the bridge. I need a few moments with my ship. <laughs> uh. I mean, as clergy, how would you advise me on this? <laughs> <laughs> Tread lightly. 
Okay. While Eve agrees to stay, Kirk responds to Spock, two to beam aboard. He grabs Mud and they start towards the door and Mud stops and asks Kirk, can't you leave me behind this desolate planet? Kirk says no, but he will be a character witness at Mud's trial if he really wants him to be. Mud replies, they'll throw away the key. <laughs> so uh, back on the ship, we have our normal ending. McCoy is standing next to Kirk. Spock walks up. Spock says uh, he's glad the whole affair is over. Been a most annoying emotional mess. McCoy says, kind of get you right here. And he kind of pumps his chest with his fist and then says, uh, the old heart. And then he says, oh, I'm sorry. For you, it'd be here. And he kind of lifts up his left hand and touches himself in the ribs. Implying to which Spock that replies, Spock's heart is located in a different spot. To which Spock replies, the fact that my internal arrangement differs from yours, doctor, pleases me no end. And he shows a bit of a smile as he walks away. Yeah, I love the ending, though. I, You know, it, it was the ending was classic. The the three of them on the bridge, this little banter that goes back and forth between the three of them. Yeah, and this was really more of a humorous episode overall. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Mud is a uh, character, not a threat to them, really. Wannabe criminal who's not very good at his craft. Yeah, again, I love this character. Uh, he is the only character in Star Trek, other than crew members, to return playing the same role in the original series, I should say. I didn't even think about that. And like you said, they had plans to do another episode with Mud. The actor, Roger Carmel, was making a film and he couldn't do it. What about your best moments of the show? What was one of your best moments? Quite honestly, the women. Yeah, <laughs> they were, uh, they're beautiful. One of my favorite parts or best parts of the episode was Mud and the character and the actor who played oh, yeah. him. I think this would have been a great spinoff series. Yeah, one of my uh, best parts too is Spock being totally unaffected by the women. And he thinks it's humorous how all the other men are, are reacting. Yeah, how about a worst moment for you? Uh, the caves. <laughs> Again, 23rd century, these guys were out on a planet by themselves you'd think you'd have something better than, you know, straw beds and wooden furniture. One of the worst for me was, again, just the women treated as sex objects. One of the worst parts for me is Mud essentially being a pimp. I didn't think about it ever before, and I've seen this episode numerous times. He's selling women. Let's talk about the dead crewman count. Zero. Zero this there, week. There, we talked about it. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> Zero this week. So we're still at 17. This is episode six. So we're down under three per episode as an average. It keeps dropping. I'm I'm getting more disappointed as each week goes by. <laughs> so I did go back, Dana. I did what I said I was going to do last week. I did a shirtless Kirk or ripped shirt Kirk count. And uh, this week, zero. I went back and looked at all the episodes. So we've got four out of six. That is a pretty good percentage at this point. <laughs> and I think we're going to stay about that same percentage for the rest of the show. Okay, Dana, once again, great time discussing this episode, and I look forward to next week. All right. Thanks again, Dan. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at dammitjimpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-M-N-I-T Podcast at gmail.com. Or join the discussion on Facebook or Twitter. Join us next week for What Are Little Girls Made Of? For Dan and Dana, live long and prosper.